It's the College Life Hacker Podcast. I'm Laura Savage. And I'm Shagana Williams. This is our eighth episode in our QEP series. Um, we have another interview with industry leaders in our area about what essential skills are needed in the workplace today. And so we're going to talk about the Quality Enhancement Plan. The Quality Enhancement Plan is a 10-year plan that identifies topics or issues related to enhancing student learning outcome. The topic selected for this QEP uh, round is titled Embracing Essential Skills. And this QEP plan will focus on three main essential skills in the workplace, punctuality, speaking, and listening. These essential skills are important for students to to achieve academic success and in getting a job. So our special guest today, Bobby Lamb of Ingalls, will share with us how essential skills play an important part in the shipyard industry. So welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, thank you for having me. My name is, uh, like you said, Bobby Lamb. I'm the apprentice program manager and future workforce manager out at Ingalls Shipbuilding. So I had the opportunity to to hire, uh, interview, uh, and hire about 600 apprentices a year. Plus uh, our high school programs, we bring about 100 high school seniors onto our uh, property. And we, we not only do we teach them technical skills, but we do a lot of the soft skill training that, that we're talking about today. Plus we have talent development labs spread out at many of of our high schools in the Jackson and Harrison County that we also are beginning to teach a lot more of the soft skills uh, in addition to the technical skills to better prepare our students for, for, for the workforce. So how are essential skills such as listening, speaking, and attendance needed for future employees? Well, I think it's very much needed, and it's actually one of the skills that um, has started to deteriorate a little bit. Um, actually, I used to teach out at William Carey, and while I was teaching it uh, out there, what I noticed was a lot of our students, non-traditional students, actually couldn't create a lot of the what we we would consider your normal business correspondence. So whether that was just creating a general business type email or having a business conversation with, with a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that was driven. So the whole communication framework, everything from listening to speaking to receiving feedback um, is, is really, I think we're really struggling in that area. And I, I, some of it, and, and the struggle has different parts to it that one of the one of the big pieces is just the way we communicate has changed in the in the workplace over the years so a lot of our traditional uh, employees I don't want to say older but traditional employees mm-hmm. like to communicate more face to face want to hear everything in, in person want to actually sit down and have a conversation where a lot of our the more trendier communication processes are now are using text instant messenger, email, all truncated ways of and abbreviated ways of communicating. So I think we there's been a gap uh, between the two different communication methods. 
So what we really need to work on um, is, is how to bridge the two forms of communication. And I'm seeing a transition now because a lot of the traditionalists like myself are using those other mediums to trans, uh, to to communicate more effectively. But the listening and the speaking piece, you, you have to listen before you can speak. And, mm-hmm. and I think when you don't have a lot of experience communicating face-to-face, you forget sometimes that you have to sit there and listen fully to what what the message is or, or what your supervisor or fellow workers are trying to communicate. And then, and then speak effectively, right? You have to be able to speak in a manner that you're understood and not speak in, uh, you know, abbreviated or, or, and I say in an abbreviated fashion so that, that, so that we ensure that we got the two way communication going that we need. And then the last thing that you talked about is the attendance punctuality with well, that. To us out here in the industry I'm in, in the shipbuilding industry, that is king, uh, meaning that we place a very high emphasis on on being being at work on time. And, and, and you know what's the, the old saying is, if you're on time, you're late. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then that's where we retreat it. We have a pretty, we have a liberal attendance policy. A lot of people think it's strict, but we, if you look at the, in other industries, we have a pretty liberal attendance policy. You can miss a certain amount of days a year because we all know life happens. Definitely. You can be late. You can leave early. You don't have to go to doctor's appointments. But you can only do that a certain amount of times. And where the majority of our employees get themselves in, in, in uh, trouble is through our attendance policy. Uh, we don't really have a lot of issues with just general discipline or any of the other things, very few safety violations, very few issues with conflict in the workplace. The majority of our discipline issues are around our attendance policy. So so that's something that we have to learn very, very early on in our working career is that employers expect employees to be at work on time. Mm-hmm. That was such a good point that you brought up uh, about the differences in communication being important to be able to bridge those differences, like between in person and in text, because I get that vibe from a lot of our students that they would rather text me. They don't like, even with our student workers, like they prefer to text over me calling them, which is just an interesting thing for you to point out too. But um, I'm sorry. Oh no, I was going to go ahead and to the next question, unless you had something to add. No, no, we go to the next question. So what advice would you give our current students that are in our programs now? I, I would say to have an open mind. What I see a lot of times with uh, students is that they 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 think they understand. There's no and this is not a no fault for the students themselves, but mm-hmm. they they think they know what they want to do, or they they narrow they, they they get so specific about what it is I want to do after college that they that they that they they don't look at the elsewhere. So I would say. Try to find an internship, uh, go out and volunteer in the community for different nonprofit organizations, do whatever you can do to put yourself out into the, the workplace so that you can gain an understanding of all the different jobs. So a lot of times what I see happen with, within Ingalls is we will have an, in, we have an internship program and we'll have interns come in over the summer and they may be studying finance at 
Gulf Coast Community College or one of our other local universities. And they come out and they do a 10-week internship in finance and realize after about three weeks that I don't think I want to be in finance. <laughs> I don't. This number stuff isn't for me or it's different than what I actually thought it w- was. I actually look, you know, I'm looking over at uh, my, my fellow intern that's doing supply chain logistics and that looks pretty interesting. Or I have a one of my friends is a business management intern over in HR. That looks pretty interesting doing employee relations or labor relations. So I would say my, my biggest advice is to try to find out about the workplace and not go and dedicate, you know, two, three, four years of your life narrowing in on a skill set that you may not even enjoy. You, you may, you may think that you're going to like it, uh, but if you don't have any context to actually uh, to be able to know that for certain, then you probably need to go out and, and, and try it out in the field before you dedicate three or four years of your life doing a certain degree. Definitely. And to build on that, it's so normal to change your major or to change your focus. I know so many students stress out about doing it, but it's such a normal process. I've seen so many students change their majors and still be successful. I changed my major in college and still was successful. And it's definitely right. okay to change your mind. Yeah, definitely. And then and don't put so much stress on yourself because mm-hmm. it is okay to change your mind. And, and it's okay even if you do uh, finish a degree program and go out and get a job in it, and after a few years realize that it's something that you may not be interested in, and just go after whatever your your true passion is. I mean, you, you're going to work all your life, so you want to be happy while you work. Uh, you definitely don't want to choose a career field and, and feel like you're stuck in it because you, you can change your mind, uh, change your major, but just to help yourself out a little bit more, my, my advice to, to most people in college is to try to get out there in the community and learn about the job that you're pursuing in college so that you're not going into something blind just because it looks exciting on, on paper. You talked about basically just being diverse in your skill set, you know, just having a, a wide range of skills. Is that something that you look for when you are hiring people in your industry? We do. I mean, I'm in a pretty diverse industry to begin with. So uh, the shipbuilding industry, we we have a lot of technical requirements. We hire a lot of craft-type employees. So they, they all have specific skill sets. Um, and now on our professional side or our salary side, that's where you start getting into a lot of the jobs that do require a college education, um, whether it's business management, accounting, uh, HR, we do need diversity of skill uh, in there because once again, we want somebody that it's okay to be great, a great accountant, but if you, if that's all you have to bring is that you can, that you can perform the accounting function, you know, very good on a day-to-day basis, but you can't communicate or you can't bring diversity of thought or critical thinking skills to help the company overcome problems or something, then then you have a limited skill set. So we really need a diversity of skills, why it's, why it's very important to work on your soft skill side as well as your technical skills. So once again, you can be a great accountant, 
but if you can't communicate what you're doing to your supervisors or more importantly to your customers who are going to be questioning how you came about, you know, how you came to certain numbers or to certain decisions, then then you're limiting yourself. Um, so that is a great question. Really, you really need to diversify your skill set and have an equal balance of both what we call soft skills and technical skills. Right. So you said that um, you do some hiring. Um, whenever people come in for an interview, like what's the checklist of things that they should have with them or prepared? Uh, what are some common mistakes that you see people make? Uh, that's a good question. So the checklist is going to be a standard checklist, right? Mm-hmm. You, when, when people come into an interview, you, you want to be dressed uh, appropriately for the job. Um, the skill you want, I mean, there's some, some things that you can do that don't doesn't require you to have, you know, uh, money to go buy a, a suit. You don't have to do that. I mean, at, at a minimum, you can you can make sure that you that your your, your clothes are clean and pressed, and that you you have good appearance. And then that you when you come in, that you you greet the people. Um, you just you just be yourself. I mean, I see so many people that sometimes I feel like have been practicing for the interview almost over the top where they come in and, and, and it's just like they it, it's really hard to explain but you can tell the people that are kind of over prepared for an interview and every answer that you give them that they give you is is very is almost scripted mm-hmm. I like to be able to ask a question and just have a, a almost a, almost like even if it's a panel interview almost if it's a one-on-one conversation I just want to hear the true you the the true, response not what you think that i want to hear or what the textbook tells you and 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 i'm not saying that we shouldn't be professional and and practice our interview skills because we should but Mm -hmm. it shouldn't come across that way when you're doing an interview you just want to be yourself and the best way you you can prepare is to understand what you're applying for not only the job and also understand the business that the company that you're in is you're applying for. So if you came out here to Ingle Shipbuilding and applied for a job in human resources, and I asked you the question, what do you like about Ingle Shipbuilding? Then I would hope that you have done your homework enough to understand what our business is, which, I mean, it's easy to say we build ships, mm-hmm. but it's a much more than that, right? We, we actually build 13 large uh, United States Navy and Coast Guard ships, and the and we support the local community. Uh, you know, 11,000 people here. That's 11,000 salaries that are getting put back in the community. The largest employer in Mississippi. I mean, there's different things that you can know about Ingo Shipbuilding mm-hmm. other than we can build ships. And we, I just want to know that you understand the business um, and that you know understand your your job and how your job correlates to the business. So the biggest thing that you can do to prepare for an interview is just just have a understanding of of like I said the job and the and the company and how them two correlate with each other. What's hired? What are the most common mistakes you see new employees make? You know that question that that one's a little, little tough. Um, other than some of the stuff that we've already talked about, you know, the punctuality, uh, being late. The one thing that I think that I want to point out and people have an understanding, and that's not only once you're hired, but just general in general, 
is expectations. And what I mean by that is I've seen people hired in at, you know, entry level uh, accounting job or, or supply chain logistics or HR, whatever, whatever they hire in at, and they come in the door with very high expectations of what they, what, what their job function is. And, and I would never discredit the, the value of a, of a degree because there's, there's extreme value in having a degree, but that doesn't automatically qualify you for a certain status in the workplace. So if you come in out of college after four years and you hire in at an entry-level position, your expectation should be that I'm probably going to have to work my way up in the company. I'm going to have to do the day-to-day grind of learning, learning my job, uh, you know, fitting, fitting into the business, uh, getting understanding of the business and understanding how I can impact the business in a positive way and grow, grow within my position and the company. And the biggest mistake I see are people come in with very high level expectations, meaning I'm going to go from entry level to manager in two years. You know, I want that office in two years, you know, where, and what that does a lot of times it discredits what the other 11,000 people uh, at the end of the company are doing because because that attitude comes across as you're trying to say that you you automatically should get a position just because you completed you know college where most of the other people that are sitting in the, the same room have already been in those shoes and are and are in the process of working their way up to the company as well. So just have realistic expectations about uh, what it is you're going to do when you hire on realistic salary expectations, realistic working expectations, especially if you're in a company that has very rigid working hours, um, then, then there are expectations that, that you're going to be at work. Um, you know, some other companies offer more flexible work schedules and that's fine, but just have very realistic expectations of, of what you're there for. Right. Um, is there anything else that you want to add that you don't feel like we covered or? Now, if I, well, just one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more on the business etiquette side because I get a lot of correspondence from people inquiring about uh, jobs here at English Shipbuilding as, and the, the tone and the, the overall content structure of the emails um, are very unprofessional and a lot of times I won't even respond to them. Um, so, if you're corresponding with a company or a future hiring manager, make sure that you, you're following the traditional standard business type email format that you're not just, you know, that you're, that you're addressing a person by name and title, that you have a, 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 a very well thought out, very well written body of an email and that you, that you then sign the email electronically or, or just at least put, you know, Sincerely, best wishes, however you want to, to end your email with a name and a contact manner. And it, it's just professionally done because what I've seen, like I said, it just almost every day getting correspondence from people looking for jobs. And, and, and you're, you're asking me for a business job and the email that you just sent me is telling me that you're probably not ready to, you know, for a business job because the, you can't even formulate a, uh, professional email. So the little things, if you, if you can't get the little things right, you'll never get the big things right. right. That's a, one of the models that we live by here in, 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 in the, at Ingles. So 
just just make sure you pay attention to the correspondence that you're having back with the company and that your resumes are done in a professional manner that they that they're not over so over um, inflated that that it's almost a turnoff for the company. I mean, if you're 20 years old and you've been in uh, you know college for two years and had a couple part-time jobs you probably don't need a six-page resume um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and we see it right because you, and, and and we've all been there including myself but you know where we try to make ourselves we want the job so we try to make mm-hmm. ourselves look as hireable as, as we can but there's only so many things that you can put if you've been a you know you're 20 years old and, and only had a few part-time jobs and, and some college experience so yeah uh, I I just, I just hire someone for an internship and at face value, if you put all the resumes side by side, hers was probably the shortest and it was right to the point. I, it was very easy to read. Uh, she listed her job, uh, place that she worked, the, her job title that she was there and three or four of the major job functions that, that she performed while she was there. And then she had a, her, her uh, academic background and then one or two of her uh, volunteer. Then what she did, you know, don't just say I volunteer at Jackson County, Jackson County Animal Shelter. Mm-hmm. Actually put some of the stuff that you do there because that can go into helping, helping me decide if there's a skill set there that I, that I need. So like I said, on, if you put all five or six of the resumes together, you probably wouldn't have thought that she would have been the one that got hired, but she was picked uh, uh, because I was very. It was very easy for me to to see what her skill set was. So, just the resume, emails, all business correspondence. Just make sure that you're that you're spending the, the right amount of time uh, on those on those, especially like I said, since those are the actual documents that that you're using to communicate with a potential employer. And let me just add that if a student that is listening, if you're not sure on how to write a cover letter, resume, or how to write a business email, visit your campus LRC. The Learning Lab instructor, um, English instructor, they can help. The library has a wealth of resources on how to write cover letters, resumes, and email etiquette. So I just wanted to add that in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and getting all of your insight for our students. Definitely. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, it closes out, Laura. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me or Michigana Williams here at the Perkinson Library. Thank you.